Welcome to the Voices of Manufacturing, where business leaders across the country share their unique challenges and insights. We want to help people within manufacturing and make them excited to come to work every day and go home safe to their family. When you bring people in, they're anything but a machine. They're partners that can help you build your business, that can be your success if you treat them right. It's almost like magic because it takes the learning process sometimes from weeks down to days, sometimes hours. This podcast is brought to you by Dazuki the premier frontline digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. And now here are your hosts, Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. Hey, Michael, I've heard you've been busy this summer. You've had quite a few new clients you've been working with. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of excitement in manufacturing. Um, you know, it's, uh, volumes are going up, companies are growing, they're trying to maintain you know, a balance between cost control and growth. And it's an exciting time for manufacturing here in the U.S. Yeah, it really is. I've been seeing a, a lot of data on reshoring and continue to see, you know, signs that manufacturing's grown in the U.S. I know we were talking uh, recently and, and one of the things you mentioned to me that really uh, kind of piqued my interest was you've been seeing a lot of manufacturers that are interested in implementing 5S. It sounds like a lot of them have tried to implement in the past, kind of got away from it, and now they're looking to to reestablish 5S as a, a key tool in their lean toolbox. A lot of companies are, are bringing up that topic. Um, you know, it, it starts a conversation of maybe relaunching and um, shoring up their, their lean efforts. And then uh, what, I'm, what I'm noticing, I'm digging a little deeper and I'm like, well, why, why that tool? Why now? And it's, I'm, I'm seeing this trend. It's, it's a bit of a pandemic recovery. Uh, you know, volumes were maybe down, people were not coming to work. They were shorthanded. Now they're back in a growth mode. So they're too busy catching up on orders. Um, and I'm not saying growth isn't a bad thing, but, um, they're so busy making the product and getting stuff out the door. They've, they've kind of let some of their lean systems and in particular 5S and visual control slide a little bit. And on top of that, these companies that are growing, they're bringing a lot of new people. And they don't know what it was like, um, you know, back in the old days when, when 5S was, was sort of part of the culture. So, um, I'm, I'm seeing all these, those things are kind of working together to create this gap and they're starting to realize it and say, Hey, let's start over. Let's, let's go back to the basics. Um, you know, do some training, do some assessments and, uh, just, just get this started again. So it's lots of great opportunities for, for improvement as always. With, with, with these companies, I'm really curious because, you know, lean is this great methodology, right? It's, uh, you know, fundamental for a lot of manufacturers. They, they couldn't imagine operating without lean tools in place and, and, and really practicing lean methodology. Are you seeing companies though, that are, you know, practicing or implementing 5S and maybe they don't, they aren't implementing a lean methodology to go with it. Just, this is just one tool that they, they picked out of the lean toolbox and decided they wanted to use. Yeah, well, th that was definitely a trend, you know, 20 years ago when the consultant wave kind of came through and they would start you out with a 5S exercise and training, and then you'd, you'd gradually learn the rest of the toolkit. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those were failed attempts. Um, you know, they would shine things up. It became a housekeeping effort, and they never really got much beyond that. Today, I see some of the same thing. It's, it's a way of reinitiating their lean efforts. Hopefully, we don't make the same mistake we made in the past. Um, it's not a bad place to start. Uh, you can see visible results. Um, you can impact productivity, quality, and especially safety in the short term. 
Um, so I'm not saying it's a bad place to start, but it, it, you gotta go beyond that. And, uh, there's a lot more to it, um, to become, you know, truly lean and really, you know, embrace this, this concept of enterprise excellence. Yeah. I keep, keep going back to our last episode and we, we talked a lot about this, uh, especially around this idea, you've got to have management buy in. There's gotta be a vision, uh, you know, especially if you're implementing lean that you're, you know not pushing down, but you're sharing with your frontline operators that gives them a, you know, some purpose, a reason for why they're doing these things. Let's say, yeah, it, it, it's back to the, uh, the, the Simon Sinek book, you know, it starts with why uh, the, the leader's job is to communicate the why behind lean, behind 5S, behind, you know, the visual factory. And the better they are at communicating that and, and kind of leading by example, even the more sustainable these efforts are. And Frankly, leadership and people on the front line, they, we lose the handle on this. Um, there, there's just this, uh, this manufacturing entropy, I like to call it, you know, yes, it doesn't just stay put, uh, things change. Well, let's move forward then. I, you know, I know a lot of folks are familiar with 5S. It's a really common lean tool. Uh, you want to give us just kind of a quick rundown, you know, what is 5S just for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with it. Yeah, it's, well, simply it's a, it's a, it's a method or a, a practice of workplace organization. Um, I always like to tell people that it's, it's a proven methodology. It works. You don't have to argue whether it works or doesn't work, or it might work. It does work to some level, no matter how much effort you put behind it. And I'm not going to give you the Japanese, uh, S words, uh, for the five S's, but I'll give you the English version. And it starts with sort. I think in Japanese, it translates as more as like sifting. Like, you know, sorting and sifting through the stuff that's in your area. Usually it's followed by set in order, putting things in a, a specific order, a place. Everything has a place. Shining, uh, which includes repair, restoration, bringing things back to kind of a new condition, as well as just general cleaning, painting, and then getting rid of the dirt and the grime. Uh, next is standardize. Uh, what, what is the standard for 5S and, and for these, these other elements? And then the last S, which isn't really talked about in some cultures, but it, it's, it's, I think it's pretty important is the sustain aspect. You know, how do you, how do you sustain the system, um, through, you know, management involvement, uh, accountability audits and such. Um, the way I usually deploy it is, is I move the shine to second. So I, I sort and then I shine, then I set an order, then standardize sustain. And I think when you're deploying this with teams, but you don't want to put, um, uh, equipment back in place that's not not working properly or is damaged or or needs to be shined. So before you set it in order, we want to sheet shine and restore back to new, um, and then put it back in place in a in a particular order, and uh, and work through the rest of the process. And so I, th I think that's just a little trick that I've come across. It people also get pretty excited about the shining, the cleaning. Um, you know, the retooling, changing the oil, the, um, you know, making sure that everything is functioning properly. Even when you think about like a, a, a chef in a kitchen, I mean, sharpening the knife at the end of the shift before they go home is, is a real common practice. So there's a daily shine activity that's part of their everyday work. So it's, it's used, good to use that as an example, as you're teaching this and, and trying to deploy it. And if, if we go back, I'm just thinking, you know, for an organization, you know, a lot of folks will, will bring in a lean consultant to help them, you know, implement 5S or they have somebody on staff that they've hired that, you know, has a lean background. 
where do you typically see companies starting with their implementation of 5S? Are there particular areas? And I know manufacturing's a, there's a broad spectrum of things that companies are making, but ideally, where do you start when you're implementing 5S? Is it at the workstation, the individual workstation? Is it a more broad area like, you know, shipping and receiving? Like what's, what's kind of the standard you've seen there? Yeah, well, as you, as you alluded to, it's, it's easy to see, um, you know, 5S uh, in disarray in a manufacturing environment. It's so visual. Um, you know, if it's organized, you know, if it's messy, you know, if it's dirty, it's very easy to spot. So most people start in manufacturing and they might pick a work cell and, and they may, you know, get it up to top condition and use that as a model for the rest of the area. But then very quickly, it moves into the office, into the warehouse, into the quality lab, uh, you know, engineering. I mean, you can 5S your, your, workspace on your, on your laptop. I was going to ask you how, how organized is your, is your laptop, um, your file structure, how you, how quickly can you retrieve information? I mean, that's, that's digital, um, you know, personal computer 5S. So it sounds like what you're saying is start it closest to where the main work is happening. You know, that individual work cell station, whatever you want to call it, and then work your way out from there. Um, Definitely. Prove the concept in, in, a, in an actual workspace, a manufacturing environment. Um, by the way, often it's triggered by a safety incident or a near miss. And then it's like, well, let's, we better go review our 5S and our visual controls, um, which I usually put together, by the way, 5S and visual controls go hand in hand. I, I don't really separate them. It's, you can't have really one without the other. Um, and, you know, whatever it takes to get you started, if it's a, if it's a near miss or an audit, or you've got a customer coming to visit. Um, I don't really care what the motivation is. Just get it done. You know, move move forward. I was I was going to say for a lot of uh, manufacturers that are suppliers to, to other manufacturers, one of the key motivators I've seen is we want our factory to look really good. So when our customers come in or our prospects come in, we can show off how clean the factory is, how organized it is. And nothing can influence your perception of quality more than seeing a, a clean factory. Yeah, or a dirty right. one. Back in the eighties, we used to joke, you know, we, we, if we could smell paint that we, that we knew the executives were coming for a visit. Um, and so that was only one of the S's unfortunately, but yeah. it, it predated this methodology was, Hey, get, you know, get things in and looking nice. Um, you know, bad markings on the floors and paint chipping doesn't look like your factory's in good shape. Well, we've kind of touched on, you know, you went through what is 5S. We talked on the, talked about each of those elements here. And I, I think we'll go into more detail in a minute, but I'm curious if we talked a little bit about this just now as well, like what are the benefits of 5S? And I'm mostly interested in understanding the benefits from the individual employee, because that's often where lean falls apart is you don't engage the employees. They see no reason to do the things you're asking them to do because there's no benefit to them. How have you seen companies get their operators, their frontline employees on board with, with 5S and what are the benefits yeah. for them? Yeah. I've, well, and I love that focus on what's in it for me, what's in it for the front line. And, um, it, there are many things, it's hard to capture them all. Actually, there's so many, you know, side benefits, hidden benefits, but really it, it starts with reduced waste. It's mostly around motion, wasted time, looking for supplies, walking across the room to grab a tool that you, you may be using very frequently. Um, it, it ties into making less mistakes. So your quality goes up, you're not doing as much rework. I mentioned safety. Sometimes I'll, I'll really look at the safety aspect in a chemical factory. I'll look at spills and drips. 
and chemical debris and accumulation and saying, look, we don't really want to work in that kind of environment. It's just not safe. And then I kind of wrap up all those benefits with saying it also sets the tone for standard work. If you, if you're not maintaining, um, standards around the workplace organization, you know, where the tools are, where the materials are, um, you know, what is the, what is the ideal state for your work cell? How are you going to follow an operating standard or a standard for creating a job or a particular part for a customer? And so I think that's why a lot of the consultants start with 5S as kind of a way of testing the standard work system. Um, let's do that first and then let's move and, and do standard work across the board. Something I'm noticing lately, um, you know, there's, there's a joke about, you know, every factory's got a, a, a guy that reminds you of Pigpen uh, from the Peanuts uh, cartoon. And, you know, they like it dirty. They like it messy. It, it makes them comfortable. And, and yet the majority of people really like a cleaner, more organized workspace. And so I, I think for most of them, it improves the more employee morale, might, might improve your retention. It builds a little bit of pride in the workplace. And then when you have that, that customer come in or that executive come in, um, they can really show off their area and say, like, we really know what we're doing. We're very organized. It's a precision, clean, safe, effective manufacturing environment. I, I keep going back to the situations I've been in a factory and a tool is missing and somebody's looking for it. And you hate to be that employee that's sitting there running around trying to find this tool that you need to, to do your job. And that's where 5S is just such a great tool for preventing those type of wasted movement, waste of time situations. But you mentioned something here, you know, standardization, right? We talk about this all the time. We believe standards are, you know, how do you operate without standards? Uh, I know we're big believers in it. It's really important with 5S too. You mind kind of explaining, you know, the role that, you know, standardization plays in 5S. And, and my question too, for you is, you know, you know, why is it important? And also where does it fit in as you implement 5S? Do you develop standards at the beginning, or is that something you develop over time as you get, you know, a better understanding of how you want to practice 5S? Well, as I mentioned, it all ties back to standard work. It's the first test case for, are you, do you have standards or not? I ask a lot of the companies I interact with, um, you know, what is the standard? Do we have a standard? And usually the answer is no, or it's in a book somewhere, or we used to, um, you know, green means pedestrian aisle. Everybody knows that. So we don't write that down. And, you know, I get a lot of runaround. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting to see how little standardization and documentation there is around, you know, all, all of the elements of 5S and the visual controls. So I like to start there. I mean, I think that's a mistake we made in the past is we rushed to the tool and we didn't look at creating a standard or an expectation. And I'll mention just an example about visual controls, even a guide to what do different colors mean in a factory and the signage and the labeling. Um, that's part of the 5S system. It's, it's also part of the visual control system. So, so let's, let's share with a new employee, an existing employee, what these mean in our work environment. I was in one factory where half the factory, the pedestrian aisles were green and the other half were yellow. And it, you crossed through a threshold and you had to know the difference between the two factories. A little confusing for a visitor. So yeah, you want to establish that standard up front, make it self-improving as you do projects, as you learn, um, you, you can improve the standard, you can update the standard. And I think that's so important to create a visual standard for your visual system. <laughs> I, I go back to, we did an episode with Mark Preston a while back on the rattlesnake hunt, which was just a awesome tool and ties into 5S and 
you know, he mentioned, and this goes back to standards, getting standards in place. Well, what are, what are the non-negotiables? Like these things are just, yes. they have to be this way. Things can't exist in this way. Is, is that part of developing the standards is you have, here's what good looks like. Here's what bad looks like. That's yeah. the first thing you do with operators essentially. Well, absolutely. And with a work cell or work area that doesn't change much, um, very easy to establish the non-negotiables and, you know, what it should look like. Where you've got modular manufacturing, you've got carts, you've got equipment being reorganized. I just talked to somebody this morning that's doing that. And it's a little bit harder to set a single standard, but you can have general standards about, you know, put things away when you're done or this, you know, we reset at the end of a batch or at the end of a shift. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, some, some things, maybe people could do it a little bit their own way, but, uh, there are some non-negotiables, especially when it comes to safety and quality and, and, um, you know, really all that motion waste we talked about, you know, the other question that comes up a lot lately, uh, that I ask, uh, you know, if they don't have a standard, they didn't, you know, they, they get kind of squeamish, you know, well, we, we don't really talk about that. <laughs> I said, well, well, if you don't have a standard, then when do you talk about 5S and when do you talk about visual controls? Yeah. And I also get blank stares like, well, we don't. And so, well, look, look at, look at your workplace. It's obvious you don't have a standard and it's obvious you don't talk about it. And so now here we are, we're going to talk about it. We're going to establish a standard and in the future, you're going to have to talk about it periodically. So this ties into our, our previous episode, uh, where, where you and I, uh, talked about daily management, now, daily management tier meetings. We love to talk about productivity and quality and inventory and, you know, all these things, but why not talk about our 5S and visual control standards and our status? And you already have that meeting every day with your crew, um, but I don't know why we don't talk about it. So that I always encourage people to add that to the agenda of a tier meeting, you know, maybe daily, every other day, weekly at least, and say, um, how are we doing? Do, do things look good? Bring out that visual standard you mentioned and I know you can, you can even capture photos now of current state and do like a checklist, go through, and maybe somebody has to bring a, a visual example of what they saw to review at the tier meeting. And let's, let's take a look at the pictures and, you know, in a huddle and, and look at how we're doing very yeah, easily like enabled, I, uh, with the digital technology and, um, you know, mobile devices. Yeah. I, I like where we're headed here. So we've got non-negotiables. What does good look like? That's our first kind of set of standards. Second set of standards is how often are we and when are we going to talk about 5S mm -hmm. and actually review how well we're doing uh, or, or not how well we're doing. So there's a frequency to these reviews. At Dizuki, we saw this with a lot of our early customers wanted to do 5S audits. So they mm -hmm. would create essentially audit forms. They would do 5S checklists for the operator. So at the end of the day, they can go through and they can do their checklist. And so they start the the next shift and everything is where it's supposed to be for that second shift operator, third shift operator. What are some additional standards that you want to get into place beyond non-negotiables, kind of the frequency of review? What are the things have you seen from your clients? Yeah. Well, actually, before I move on, I was going to mention something. You just triggered a thought there is if you have that digital checklist and the system established. Um, you know, just having that tool in place and that standard in place also allows you to assign roles and expectations. So if, if you, if you don't have a standard, you don't have a checklist, you don't, you, it's hard to set an expectation. So those, those tools really enable you to assign and hold people accountable and get that feedback. So it, it really, it completes the circle of improvement then. 
and you know, so really makes it much easier than the old days of the paper checklists and the, um, you know, well, I saw this mess and, and I said, well, no, it doesn't look like that when I looked at it, but I, I was there an hour later. And so you start debating about what is the standard and what is the current state? Well, now it's, it can be all digital and you can assign responsibility and away you go. Well, back to other standards that support this system. I mean, standards for visual controls. I mentioned the colors, the signage, where we put in and on systems and alert systems, where we have hard stops, gates and warning signals uh, to keep us safe in our environment. But there's a whole bunch of other ones. Um, like, like here's an example. I, I'm working with a company and they get ready to do 5S and they want to do the first S and they, and they want to sort and sift through everything in the area and they end up with these big piles of stuff. And clearly it doesn't belong in the area. It's obsolete. They want to get rid of it. And so I said, well, where's the standard for disposing of, you know, solid waste or metal cabinets or raw materials that are expired? And I get this blank stare. Well, somebody else handles that. You know, we, we, we don't know what the standard is for disposing of the junk. I, I'm sure they have it somewhere, but it wasn't readily accessible. It wasn't available to the people that were doing the 5S. Um, how to order supplies, you know, we say, oh, we should really, you know, put some labels on this or put some striping down or, you know, some visual indicator. So how do we order a roll of yellow tape? And the, and the guy running the project goes, I, I don't know. I'm not in purchasing. I've never ordered yellow tape before. So there's all kinds of support standards that, that you kind of need in place to, to make sure the team can, can get the work done. So th this is almost like, you know, for following this, you know, what are the different types of standards, right? Non-negotiables. Um, now we're talking about roles and responsibilities as well, which that seems like probably a missing piece for a lot of companies that are trying to sustain 5S is who's ultimately holding people accountable to making sure that their workplace is clean. You know, who's reviewing, if you are doing those checklists, who's reviewing the checklist or the, who's doing the audits, um, is, is that pretty common then to, I, I guess, probably not pretty common, but, um, you know, setting up roles and responsibilities. How, how have you seen companies go about that? I yeah, imagine there's not a lot of people raising their hand to be, no. uh, to <laughs> take on that additional work. No, they are not. No, if, if again, if you, if you establish a standard and it's built from the team, the team within, you know, the responsibility is of the team that owns the workspace. And really the, the responsibility of the leadership is to, you know, to audit, to coach to the standard, ask what help do you need if things are failing repeatedly? Um, you know, maybe, maybe the standard's not effective. Maybe we've got an external influence, um, some stuff happening. And, and so it really enables the whole team to not only do things well, but keep them in good shape and maintain them and improve them. And the responsibility for the area is the owner of the area. The responsible for the audits and the improvement system might be the next layer of management all the way up the chain. And, um, you know, then you've got visible evidence that you're, that you're following a standard, you're improving the standard. And when you deviate, people look around and say, boy, something doesn't feel right in the area. You know, they, they're immediately alerted to an, a non-normal condition. What I'm, I'm hearing from you, you know, as I'm kind of uh, understanding this a little bit more is leadership is really plays a key role in this because ultimately they're the ones saying, Hey, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for this and holding those people accountable. It's at least three layers there of yeah. different roles and responsibilities that really need to be set, uh, you know, laid out clearly. Yeah. 
And it's not fun, I mean, honestly, initially to go in and audit an area and say, hey, we're not up to standard. Um, things don't look great. You know, let's, let's reset. Let's, you know, I'll be back tomorrow to check on you. And um, you, you kind of have to be the, the, the bad parent, you know, kind of nagging them a little bit uh, initially. And, uh, you know, for my own life, I, I had this with my son when he was taking piano lessons. You know, his, his instructor wanted him to practice 20 minutes a day and I had to sign the sheet. And as an auditor, you know, I, I needed to make sure that, uh, that he was doing his, his homework and his practice. So I'm, I told him, I'm not going to sign the sheet until I hear the music. And, uh, you know, oh, you're a bad dad. You're so mean, you know, I, I just sign the form, you know, I, I, I practice, don't you trust me? And I said, no, I don't trust you. But after a couple of years of that, I mean, years, literally, my son says to me, Hey dad, come here. I, I want to play something for you on the piano. I want to show you what I've accomplished. And so now I'm a coach. I'm not an auditor anymore. I'm listening. I'm saying, what are, what are some potential problems you might be having, but I don't have to command, you know, I need to see the work getting done. Um, so it becomes a much more collaborative environment. I like to use the phrase when I'm out on the shop floor, um, Hey, things don't look like they're up to standard. What help do you need? You know, let's, let's, let's get this taken care of. I'm not going to punish you. I, I want to get the help. Now I may not be the help you need, but I'm going to, I'm going to secure the help and I'm going to reach out to, uh, the resources that we think we need to get it reset back to the condition. And maybe we had a spill, maybe we had a rush order, maybe we got some bad raw materials. Maybe we had a new, a new employee that didn't know the standard. There's probably a lot of reasons for why things got, you know, kind of messed up. Let's get it back. Let's get it back quickly. And Michael, I want to, as we're going to wrap up here, one, one thing that I always think about with manufacturing, there's always the target. You're always trying to hit that production target and things like this, a great tool, like 5S, it's easy to let it fall by the wayside. You know, how do companies sustain this? Like, you know, obviously that's the last S in this, like, what do you think is the big, you know, maybe there's not one thing, but if there was you know, one thing that companies should focus on for sustaining, what is that? Well, yeah, there's the multi-factor, but there's one that really stands out to me. And we, we often don't make time to, to do the work, right? So we don't, we don't make time to execute or reset the system or even make improvements to the system. When we get busy, we focus on production and not on maintaining the workspace. Now that's okay. As long as you've got a rhythm of, you know, end of the week, we do a, we do a reset or end of the shift. Um, you know, things get messy. If you're not making a mess, you're not making product. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, you know, I don't want to say you just spend your whole day cleaning and not making product, but I, I think we do have to set aside a, a, a bit of time, a rhythm and call time out if we need a reset when things get a little bit out of hand. And I'm, I'm seeing that again with companies that after several years of, you know, pandemic operations and now growth, they're pushing the reset button saying, okay, let's Let's go after it. And I applaud that they're investing in some training, some materials um, to get us back to that, that ideal 5S state. And then again, they, they've got to build time into the, the maintaining it as well. Uh, yeah. That includes what, audit time, doing time, improving time. What you're, you're making me realize here is if you just try to implement a tool like this without really buying into the lean methodology, you're going to fail, right? Because mm -hmm. what one of the biggest things of lean, right? We're going to pull the, we're going to pull the cord. We're going to stop the line to fix the issue that's popping up, which is just the complete opposite for a lot of manufacturers that aren't practicing lean, right? It's really hard to 
to stop the line and fix, address the issue. Um, and that's, that's what you're basically saying is we got to make time. We got to stop production so we could focus on these things because ultimately it's going to allow us to do our best work. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of hidden benefits there as, as, as we talked about, and it's, it, it ends up being in, in ideal situations. And I've seen companies doing this really well over time. It really gets under their skin. It's part of their culture. They're proud of their workplace. They're proud of their work environment. They don't want unsafe or bad quality uh, you know, situations arising. Um, and back to my comment about, you know, employee ownership, employee morale, uh, they, most people love working in, in a safe, clean, you know, well-organized environment. And, uh, so that should, that should always be, you know, kind of that underlying goal. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Michael, this was a great overview on 5S. I know there's a lot more, you know, especially, uh, folks who have been practicing lean for a long time could, could chime in here, but, uh, this is a great overview and good discussion, especially around standardization and, and how it could be applied to, to 5S. Yeah. Well, and, and, and stay tuned. Maybe we can do a follow-up episode and talk about how, you know, these companies that are relaunching, you know, how they're, how they're succeeding. I'm sure we're going to, we're going to come across some more tips and tricks and especially on that standardization, what does the standard look like? And when do you talk about it? And some real life examples of, of people that are doing it well. Um, so I think we can revisit this topic down the road too. Absolutely. And, and for our listeners, we've got a couple other episodes that go well, I'd say our uh, companions to this episode, Michael and I did an episode on uh, daily management as well as we had Mark Preston on and, and Mark has got a lot of experience with lean. Uh, and he did an episode with us on his rattlesnake hub concept, which is, uh, really a tool that's, that's part of 5S. So those are great, uh, companion episodes to listen to with this as well. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Voices of Manufacturing podcast with Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. This show is brought to you by Dazuki, the premier digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. Our website, where you can listen to our episodes and find tons of helpful resources, is dazuki.com. Sign up for our monthly newsletter so you'll be the first to know about new episodes. That's dazuki.com, and join us in creating the front line of the future.